Welcome to the Full Scoop Podcast. Somehow even fuller than before. We got news, we got skits, and we got banter. I'm your host, Alan Brown, and serving up stories with me today are Winston. How are you doing, sir? Well, you know, I just had a vegan burger, so I'm doing fantastic today. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> ben, how's it going? How are you doing? I'm pretty good. Just enjoying a Sunday afternoon. And you? I'm doing all right and uh, glad to be back. We took a few weeks off and to help us bring this show back to its uh, roaring start, we have Jess also joining us today. I'm glad she's here. How are you doing, Jess? Hello. I'm doing good. I actually got up early and worked out today, so I'm feeling pretty accomplished. All right. Day one. Round of applause for Jess. Thank you. Thank you. Round of applause. (laughs) I, I don't have a I don't have a board. <laughs> like I'm we're not at a radio station here, guys. <laughs> we we're should have a board on though. Post production. Patrons, please, patrons, uh donate so we can get all sorts of fancy equipment. It'll it'll bring up the quality for you. It's for you, listeners. <laughs> I'm glad everybody's here. As some of you may know, we love space here at the full scoop. And today we're gonna be talking about the moon. You may have noticed it looked a little different this past week. That's because we had something called a supermoon, more specifically a buck supermoon. And this is the closest supermoon of the year. I don't know if anybody noticed it, but Wednesday or Thursday, I looked uh, out the side of the car and I was like, what is that? It looked fake. And it was just huge and like yellow. It it was beautiful, but it it looked fake. It's it's amazing how a few degrees makes such a huge difference in in terms of how we perceive yeah. the moon and celestial bodies. Yeah. I think the color contributes to it too, yeah. because all of a sudden, instead of being bright white, it was like really yellow. And, and I immediately thought of um, how, it, you know, people refer to this thing called the honeymoon. And I was like, that maybe that's what they call it. But research told me it's uh, it's called the buck supermoon. And there's a bunch did of different know? supermoons. Can you, did you know that, that this week was the supermoon before you no, saw I, it? No, I, I didn't know. I look up. I always look it up after the fact. <laughs> you know, did I miss something? Yes, I did. So, so, so it wasn't a placebo effect. Is what you're saying? No, it wasn't. I noticed it, and then obviously we were putting stories together to have everything be on topic, and I noticed that it was a supermoon. So that was the closest it was going to be all year. We'll have more supermoons, but that was the closest of the year. Oh wow. Um, now, in our last episode, it was a, a, a little bit light on news bites, so we'll be making up some of those today. So we have a bunch of news bites for you listeners today. Uh, and later in the show, Mrs. Smith is going to bring us a truly chilling account of the Jonestown Massacre. So stay mm-hmm. tuned for that. Finally, in our full scoop segment, we'll be going back to the moon. As it so happens, this upcoming week is the anniversary of the moon landing. On July 20th, 1969, Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin stepped onto the lunar surface and left their footprints in history, while Michael Collins, not to be forgotten, remained orbiting above with their ride home. That really happened, but there are people that think it was all a complicated hoax. We're going to be taking a deeper dive into some of the more interesting theories in our Full Scoop segment, so stick around for that. And now, it is finally time... For our news bites. And I wanted to start off with the weather because it is inescapable. First, let's look abroad. There was this headline I read about this European heat wave. And there's a bunch of wildfires 
uh, spreading throughout the Mediterranean. So here's a, an excerpt from this uh, linked article. Thousands of firefighters are battling wildfires in Portugal, Spain, and southwestern France in the grip of a heat wave that shows no sign of easing, impacting over 15,000 people and leaving more than 300 dead across southern Spain, France, Portugal, and Italy. Oh, my God. I This is the first time I'm hearing of like a, a heat wave this bad in Europe. So I don't want to say everything is tied to global warming, but... Uh, let's look at the rest of these stories and you tell me. At least six people were killed this past Friday when a dust storm with winds around 60 miles per hour hit Highway I-90, I-90 outside of Hardin, Montana, which caused a massive pileup of 21 vehicles, including six semis. So basically, it was a it, the winds just picked up very suddenly and created this dust storm that nobody could have foreseen it just like came up out of nowhere and obviously the loose dust is a for as a further result of this uh, uh i believe it was called aridification of um of what's going on here in the united states like there's there's droughts everywhere you look across the country yeah california midwest like it it's really bad it's going to be really bad for our uh, groceries in the next year next two years because right now the production is not enough. But that's like, those are the results mm-hmm. of the drought. Oh, I actually, I heard a professional or an expert say, we don't want to call it a drought because that implies that it's temporary. We need to like call it what it is, which is that our our environment is becoming more like a desert. Yeah. The desert area is expanding. Mm. And so a drought would imply it's temporary, but we're really overusing and misusing water. And so you're seeing this aridification, I believe was what it was called, of um, of many, many parts across the country. And so with that will come dust storms like this. So if the heat and the winds don't get you, the famine will. Right. And the fire. Right. It's a little domino chain. <laughs> and the oh, fire, we'll she said. We've been getting fire advisories here. Um, that it's, uh, and I actually think that down the, that's closer to North Texas for our listeners. Yeah. Down the, down the road somewhere, because it's like a 15 minute drive anywhere here. Um, there was a little patch of, of, uh, I guess lawn <laughs> that caught on fire. It was so hot here and they actually had people out there trying to put it, put it out. So, and I, I keep getting those alerts on my phone with the weather. So I'm not, I'm not too surprised that it says fire index or fire advisory, um, may right. be possible something like that about the heat yeah and I, I don't know if you got any notice it turns out that ERCOT put out a conservation notice uh for for the electric grid so they were asking texans to voluntarily reduce their energy by 500 megawatts so basically right now ERCOT, who is this organization that over- oversees the grid in texas has blamed its request for conservation on record high electric demand due to the heat wave, low wind, forced thermal outages, and solar affected by cloud cover in West Texas. That's uh, an excerpt I took from that from this uh, linked article. We're gonna put in the description. Basically, they're saying that all the other the renewable sources of, mm-hmm. of electricity they also were impacted because of uh, you know okay. it was just like a perfect storm. Like low wind, so you have less uh, wind power. There was cloud cover, even oh though God. we didn't get rain. <laughs> there was still cloud cover, so it, it 
reduce the solar uh, panels that we have. And then not to mention there's a, a heat wave. So everybody's increasing the demand. Yeah. So we know that August is the hottest. Usually here in Texas, it's hotter than than even in July. So we mm. were what, mid-July and we're only likely to see an increased strain in the coming weeks. So it's, we're, we're probably going to get more of these advisories. Um, we had rolling blackouts um, in... Oh, you already started experiencing yes, it there. So we had them, yeah. not, they're not too long, but a couple of our employees are in San Antonio, in the San Antonio area, and they were on a video call letting us know that they've already started getting rolling blackouts and that they're moving further north. So... That's already started yeah. here. Okay. Yeah, that's that's only going to increase. We'll have to keep an eye on it. Um, unfortunately, also a direct consequence of, you know, the, the global warming was we're going to get colder winters and hotter summers. And that's just, there's no sign of that changing. Have y'all seen that Star Wars meme with uh, Anakin and Padme? Uh, oh. She just says, uh, it's ERCOT saying, uh, the Texas system is not built for winter. Oh, that's okay, but it can handle the heat, right? Right? It can handle mm-hmm. the heat, right? <laughs> oh, didn't, that's uh, didn't sad. Didn't suggest, didn't they suggest to put the HVAC systems at 80 degrees? That's the temperature I cook rotisserie vegan chicken. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. What What does yeah, that look terrible. like? Out of curiosity, how how long does that take? Well, it's per the pound, so eight and a half days. <laughs> uh, Winston, you have uh, you have a story for us today? Yes, I do, Alan. Thank you very much. Today, I wanted to start a little journey into the works of Makoto Shinkai, one of my favorite anime directors working right now. And he's got a new movie coming out later this year called Suzume no Tojimari, which loosely translated is Suzume locking up. So I'm very anxious to see what it's going to be about. But since it's going to be coming out around November, I decided to take a little trip and revisit all his previous works in chronological order as he worked on them. And so this is going to be the first part of what will be a multi-part series on the works of Makoto Shinkai. So let's get started. For those of you who don't know, Makoto Shinkai is best known the world over for the international hit Your Name. He actually got his start in the world of entertainment, designing trailers and opening clips for video games. But it's in the world of anime that he's become a superstar and true auteur. And we're going to be starting off with a couple of his earlier works. The 5-minute short, She and Her Cat, and the 25-minute Voices of a Distant Star. She and Her Cat is a simple story told from the point of view of Chobi, a cat taken in by a woman he only refers to as she. She is his owner, she takes good care of him, and he loves her very much. And that's pretty much it. All right, There's not much more to the story. It's a five-minute short. It features very limited black-and-white animation. (laughs) But what is there is very beautiful despite its simplicity. You can see the beginnings of many of what Makoto Shinkai's style and hallmarks will be. Rain, phones, trains, and emotional connection. So it's a very short little movie that you can actually find on YouTube. Mm. So if you've got five minutes to kill, look up She and Her Cat. And so from here, we will move on to the animation that really put Makoto Shinkai on the map, Voices of a Distant Star. Recently released for the first time on Blu-ray in the United States as a bonus feature to 5 centimeters per second, 
a movie we'll get to at a later date, Voices of a Distant Star depicts a tale of separation through space and time. I first saw this short some 20 years ago and honestly I wasn't quite sure what to make of it, but since then I've really come to love and appreciate this movie. In the middle of a war against a group of alien invaders, high schooler Mikako decides to join the UN Space Army and battle the aliens throughout our solar system. Her childhood friend, 16-year-old Noburo though, remains on Earth because he will be continuing through high school, yet the two still maintain communication by sending each other messages through their phones. However, as the battles against the aliens move further and further towards the outer reaches of the solar system, Mikako's messages take longer and longer to reach Noburo, lasting from weeks to months to a year, and then with her final text to him, eight years between messages, all while she fights for her life across wow. the stars. Meanwhile, back on Earth, Noburo can't seem to move on from how much he misses Mikako and vows to harden his heart and become an adult, even if he has to do it alone. Voices of a Distant Star is not perfect. There are moments that go by too quickly and may require viewers to pause them in order to read all the text and subtitles. It is a Japanese anime. And some of the animation and CGI effects are a bit crude and outdated, mostly owing to the fact that Makoto Shinkai pretty much animated the entire short all by himself on his personal computer with software such as Lightwave, Adobe Photoshop 5.0, and After Effects. He did the voices on his original version, and his wife provided the voice for the female lead. So he pretty much did everything, everything there is to do for this movie. But despite being a little rough around the edges, though, Voices of a Distant Star is still an amazing achievement. And when I say amazing, I mean it's beautiful. And I'm not just talking about the visuals, which are just a taste of how gorgeous his films will become. But the true beauty is in the story of these two kids attempting to preserve a connection despite their separation. And that desire for connection will be the heart of Makoto Shinkai's films. You find yourself rooting for them to overcome space, distance, and time. And despite the science fiction setting, it all really speaks to the human experience. No matter how separated or lonely people may be, it's connections that bind us all. In everything we can experience, we can find the beauty of connection and separation. And next week, we're going to be moving on to Makoto Shinkai's first full-length feature film, The Place Promised in Our Early Days. This this comes at a great time because uh, Ben is actually looking for some anime recommendations. <laughs> and uh, so we'll... We'll uh, put this on the list, and we'll ask listeners to provide some more some more recommendations as well. This will be a good little a little ex- exper- experience for you, Ben. If you've got if you've got thirty minutes, you can watch both of these in one sitting. Yeah, it's such a it's so beautifully. But you said it's on Blu-ray, or can we get that? Uh, is that streaming anywhere? I don't know about streaming. I recently bought them on Blu-ray, so I haven't looked up whether they're streaming or not. What's blu- What's Blu-ray? <laughs> we don't use that anymore. We use the HGBVP DVD DVDs. Now it's all uh, uh, HBO Go or HBO Plus or Max. Yeah. Or Gold. Max. All right. Well, moving on to our next headline. In case you haven't heard or anybody hasn't heard, there's a new hotline number for mental health emergencies. So it's like a, it's like a big deal. So like 911 is for, you know, uh, uh, general emergencies, you need a cop, you need an ambulance. 988 is going to be the new hotline number for mental health emergencies. So it's like a, a crisis hotline. If you call 911, usually like the police don't, aren't trained to handle that well. And 
We've seen, unfortunately, a lot of stories over the years where the police uh, sometimes escalate the situation because of that lack of training. So 988, that is the new hotline number for mental health emergencies. There was a 1-800 number as well, but now there's a 988 number, so I didn't even write the 1-800 down. So you can call that from anywhere in the country, just like 911. You can also text that number as well. So if you feel like you don't want to call somebody, you can text that number as well. So thank you, everybody, for, for um, all your news bites and uh, and updates for this week. I did have a podcast recommendation since we're talking about the moon today. This is one that I heard earlier this year, but I think it was produced like three or four years ago. But if you're interested in learning more about our first trip to the moon, there's this podcast called 13 Minutes to the Moon. And it's produced by the BBC. And what really sold it as as or made it interesting to me is that there was uh, the theme music is produced by Hans Zimmer. So it sounds very epic. And then the last episode, very last episode, they play they play the full recording of everything that's going on uh, between the NASA control and the uh, the Apollo astronauts. So they oh, wow. they kind of they play it uninterrupted, and and they give you all that sense of um, of of how much is riding on this working immersion and. Yeah. Right. Yeah, they they play it uncut, but they spend all of the previous episodes explaining to you all the voices that you're hearing Mm -hmm. and all the different different uh, alerts and things that are coming up. And they they have broken it down for you. So by the time you get to this last episode, you you feel like you're there and you are like holding on to something, trying like hoping that this works. At least for me, it was very, very immersive, like you said. So it's very good. Good uh, podcast. Uh, if you are very interested in in this, uh, they have a lot of previously unreleased interviews with um, with people with the people that were actually there at NASA in the NASA uh, Control Center, July twentieth, nineteen sixty nine. Now let's go to Mrs. Smith, who has a story on the Jonestown massacre. Hey guys, Mrs. Smith here, and I'm back in my true crime corner. Today, I'm talking about another infamous American cult. This one's from the 1970s. It started as an effort by a charismatic preacher to build a new society, but it ended with the tragic deaths of more than 900 people in a mass murder-suicide. This is the story of Jim Jones, one of American history's most evil cult leaders who led the Jonestown Massacre. Jim Jones was born on May 13, 1931 in Crete, Indiana. Growing up from a young child to adulthood, Jones was a regular churchgoer, and after graduating from Butler University, he decided to enter the ministry. Between the 1950s and 60s, Jones gained a reputation among the community by claiming to have psychic powers such as the ability to heal the sick. Jones also fought for civil rights and even had a multiracial family now known as the original Rainbow Family. In the 1970s, Jim Jones created a religious movement called the People's Temple. The People's Temple was designed to overcome the evils of racism and poverty. Before long though, Jones became obsessed with power and faced numerous allegations such as illegally diverting the income of members for his own use. 
amid mounting accusations, Jones persuaded nearly a thousand followers to move with him to a remote jungle in Guyana, South America, where they founded the settlement of Jonestown in 1974. Jonestown was supposed to be a socialist paradise in the South American jungle. However, members became overworked, underfed, and manipulated with threats of blackmail and beatings. Jones became increasingly paranoid due to heavy drug use and was obsessed with revolutionary suicide. He felt followers should be prepared to die for their cause and even staged bizarre rehearsals for a ritual mass suicide by having members drink fruit punch he claimed was poison. It was only after people drank the liquid that he told them it wasn't poison, but rather just a test. In November 1978, reports surfaced of human rights abuses and accusations that people were being held in Jonestown against their will. U.S. Representative Leo Bryan led a delegation to the commune and investigated these reports. While boarding a return flight with some former temple members who wished to leave, Ryan and four others were murdered by gunmen from Jonestown. Jones then ordered a mass murder-suicide that claimed the lives of 909 commune members, 304 of them being under the age of 17. Almost all the members died by drinking cyanide lace flavor aid and not actually Kool-Aid as a widely known expression suggests. Jones himself, however, was found dead laying on the stage pavilion with a gunshot wound to his head. Sadly, 409 of the victims were never identified. The Evergreen Cemetery in Oakland, California offered ground for a mass grave where these unidentified people were laid to rest on May 11, 1979. All Jim Jones' churches and bank accounts were seized and closed down by the government. The $7 million found within these bank accounts was used to repay the victims' families. The events at Jonestown constituted the greatest single loss of American civilian life until the tragic events of 9-11. Welcome back, listeners. Now we have the full scoop segment for you, and we're talking about the moon landing hoax. Our topic is inspired by a book that Winston recently read. And uh, Winston, would you tell us a little bit more about that? Yes, absolutely, Alan. Thank you very much. I do have this book by Philip Plate called Bad Astronomy. Phil Plate is an astronomer, and he's worked in physics for the department at Sonoma State University in California. He's had a website called badastronomy.com. He currently has a blog on sci-fi.com. And he was actually the one of the first people I started following on Twitter many years ago when I started my own uh, Twitter account. And I always found his, his articles uh, very insightful. He's a funny guy. And you can tell he really loves and is excited about science. And so I got this book from him called Bad Astronomy that takes a look at misconceptions and, you know, certain uh, misconceptions that people have about astronomy and astrology. And he even devotes an entire chapter to the moon landing hoax. And so I figured with the anniversary of the moon landing coming up, this would be a good topic for us right. to sort of discuss amongst ourselves. Yeah, and and uh, we co- we compiled the list of the more popular conspiracy theories. Do you want to go through that list and uh, let's see what we can do for our for our listeners? Maybe debunk some of these or or provide some examples oh, absolutely. of why let's they're just ridiculous. I would also like to know what conspiracies each of the members actually believes or kind of sees why they would be 
you know, is in favor of those conspiracies or believes them as well. You know, I used to actually be one of those that believed in the moon landing hoax conspiracy. When I first, you know, heard some of the things that people were saying, you know, regarding the radiation in space and the photographs, photographic problems with, with the pictures from the moon landing, I kind of started thinking, wow, you know, I think there are, these people are onto something. Maybe there was a hoax. But then as I actually dove into the science and, and what it would actually entail to hoax it, I started to realize, no, we, we actually went to the moon. Like every hoax has an explanation. You know, yeah. the, the radiation in space, the, the Van Allen belts, they're not as dangerous as some of the hoaxers believe. Yes, they are radioactive, but it's not Chernobyl in space. Okay, It's not like a nuclear explosion out there. Oh, you would get, okay. you would receive lethal doses of radiation if you just stayed out there in the Van Allen belts indefinitely and you were unprotected. But the astronauts traveling through them were protected. The metal hull of their ship did provide protection, and they passed through them fairly quickly. I think in just about an hour. And they're going That's thousands the, of kilometers per hour or something. Exactly. Yeah, they're traveling really fast. That they weren't in there long enough to receive a lethal dose of radiation we've all received radiation at some point probably we've all gotten x-rays things like that and we're okay so it's not (laughs) they're not terribly deadly the reports of the van allen bell's lethality are greatly exaggerated it was safe to travel through them to get to the moon the voyage there would have been just fine um so that's the radiation theory what are some of the other popular um hoax hoax conspiracies or conspiracies out there well, the one that got me the most at first was, of course, the classic, there's no stars in the night sky. Why don't we have pictures of the stars from the moon? And number one, the simplest answer is, of course, the astronauts were not sent there to take pictures of the stars. We have pictures of the stars. <laughs> we see here them from, from here. Good point. <laughs> yes, <great> exactly. Point. <laughs> those, <laughs> those stars have are so far away. Have you ever tried taking away. a picture of stars? That's yes, true. E- exactly. Yeah, you know, a lot of people don't understand <laughs> what it would entail to take pictures of those stars. It's all about a lot of people who who, who see that though, you know, just a black starless sky in those pictures. They just don't really have a fundamental understanding of how cameras work. The cameras do not work like our eyes. You know, that we can adjust the filters, we can adjust the exposure. Mm-hmm. People, you know, you they should know how to do all this now. They've got cameras on their iPhones. It should not be such a mystery to them. Exposure, the the exposure for the cameras on the moon were not set to capture the faint, tiny little stars in the background. Yeah. They were going to capture moon surface. They were going to capture Buzz Aldrin, Neil Armstrong. They're going to take pictures of themselves. So the exposure had to be set to a, a, a low level so as to not wash everything out. So that's why these stars are not appearing in the night sky because they were yeah. too small and faint to appear in those pictures that were not set yeah. to take pictures of the night sky. <laughs> I think people forget that cameras have come a long way. You can carry one in your pocket now, but it would have been a little hard to readjust all of the filters and, the, and everything to take a picture of the stars in the moment. Like, I don't think that was a thing that we could just do. I actually have a, uh, a little experiment that everybody can try out uh, anybody that that is uh, questioning why you couldn't see the stars, you can actually point your camera at a window where the sun is coming through. And um, if you have a subject 
like right next to the window and you're trying to take a picture of them, the window is going to be so bright, it washes out the detail of everything else. And that's kind of, that's exactly what's going on on the moon, actually, because the the moon is, the surface of the moon is so bright. If you just try and, and get the normal exposure levels to get both the background and the moon surface, the moon surface ends up being so bright uh, as we were mentioning the word washing out, it, it just kind of blurs for anybody that can't picture it. It blurs the picture and you you see just a bright spot and then you don't get any of the detail in the night sky anyways. Yeah. Uh, so you have to bring the exposure level down because the thing is so bright and then you get the detail on the surface, but you'll lose the the, the dimmer objects in the sky. To fix that, you can just focus on the night sky and not have this super close, super bright object to you. So, you know, as we were saying, we do have plenty of pictures of the night sky. And I believe there are um, there are photos of the stars and what the sky looked like. But they, they took them at different um, uh, in, a, in a different set of, of, uh, of photos. And you can see those. I believe they were recently uh, released an unedited version of all the photos oh, wow. that were taken on Apollo 11. And so we'll, we'll try to get a link and have that in the show notes for our listeners. What other uh, theories do we have? One of my favorites is what they call the the sea rock. There's a picture where there's a rock in the foreground with apparently the letter C written on the rock. That's not a rapper, and, is it? And... <laughs> And a, a lot of conspiracy theorists believe that this letter C represents a writing from the production department who faked the moon landing, of course. And they wrote the letter C so that they wouldn't, so the prop department would know where to place that particular rock. But, you know, somebody <laughs> messed up and they placed the rock upside down and exposed the letter C. And that's oh, proof man. to them that this mysterious C is actually more proof that. NASA faked it and it's the prop department mistake. And overall, that's just so ridiculous for a number of simple reasons. Number one, it's not the number or it's not a Sharpie on the rock. Okay. It's actually a hair on the negative that transferred (laughs) over to the picture. It's literally just a little hair on the negative and it creates this little C shape on the rock because in the original pictures, it's not there. It's only on the ones that were duplicated with that specific rock. Another thing is people who have worked in Hollywood have heard this conspiracy about the prop department wow. labeling their props a certain order. And people who actually work in the movie say, no, we don't do that for that yeah. specific reason. We would hate to make a stupid mistake like that and leave one of our props with a number or a letter exposed. No, we do not write on our props. So even the people who work in Hollywood who probably could fake it are saying, no, that's that's not how we work at all. So that's actually one of my the funnier ones I've heard. Like in the Game of Thrones scenes? Yes. Oh, <laughs> yeah. man. <laughs> the Starbucks yes. cup. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they think we took all the trouble of going to the moon and then we forgot our Starbucks cup on the moon rover. Like, why would you put a letter on a rock? Like, it's a hun- uh, there's a hundred rocks on there. Like, you don't need to, to <laughs> label rocks. It needs to be exactly here. Why? Unless it explodes. <laughs> then you might need to know. Like, Unless they were using a picture from the moon to recreate the scenario. <laughs> They're like, this rock Earth. was right here. And, and then they needed, yeah, 
They had this exact rock right here. Let's recreate the thing that we did on the moon, <laughs> but let's fake it down here. There's also the flag waving conspiracy. That's another funny one that, you know, hoaxers believe that, you know, some poor PA production assistant opened a door or closed the door while they were recording on the sound stage and a draft flew by and blew the the flag that we're planting there. And now it's waving. That proves that there's air on the set that they were filming. <laughs> and of course, that's not true at all either. Yes, the flag is moving, but if you watch the video, it's only moving when one of the astronauts is grabbing the pole. You know, it's 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 a flimsy little piece of aluminum, you know, rod or something that they're planting in the ground and they're adjusting and they're extending it. And yes, the the flag is moving because the astronaut is is moving the the pole, is moving the rod. And that's bound to happen at an even more exaggerated uh, level because of the lack of atmosphere on the moon. The slightest little movement on, on that rod causes that flag to whip crazily because there is no air pressure. There's a third less gravity to prevent that piece of cloth from just waving a little. It's going to look like it's flapping because there's nothing to slow down that momentum. And so that's what causes the flag to appear to be waving. Just the slightest little jiggle is going to send all kinds of crazy ripples through it because there's no space, there's no atmosphere to to slow it down. I, I think that's another issue that people have who believe in the hoax. They they don't quite understand that things in the vacuum of space are gonna move completely different. You know, they say that there's no crater from where the the eagle has landed. You know, where we landed, that there should be a crater of dust. Yes, if that had been on Earth, when you know, when there's type of uh, rocket propulsion or anything like that we're gonna see dust go up and billow out because it's the atmosphere and the wind that carries the dust out that's why we get those nice little mushrooms of dust floating out whenever there's explosions or whatever but on the moon again with with a third less gravity and no atmosphere to carry those dust particles they literally just rise up and come straight back down almost without having moved at all because there's nothing to carry them any further. So you're not going to see those big billow clouds that are just going to move out and leave this huge crater. It's all just going to go up and then straight back down to where it originally was because of the lack of atmosphere, which is something we could not have faked if we had tried to do it on Earth because of atmosphere and because of our Earth's gravity. It would look so much more different than what you're seeing in the actual lunar footage. It was easier to actually do it than mm -hmm. to fake it back in 1969. <laughs> yeah, at that point. You know, the funny thing is that all of this goes to show how hard it is to impress people. Like, we're on the moon and people are thinking, <laughs> well, where are the stars? Why is the flag not <laughs> We're on the moon, you guys. He says. Can we focus on where we're Why at? did it take so long to get back on the moon? <laughs> Can we focus? Can we focus, please? <laughs> Ben does bring up a very good point when he says, you know, why is it taking so long to go back? That, that's another one of the, the popular, you know, uh, hoax uh, questions. Why haven't we gone back? We went back five times. We had six manned missions that's to the enough. moon. It, it was, yeah, it's, that's not enough for some people, you know. They're, they're, I think their argument is why, why haven't you gone back in my lifetime or something like that? And yeah. no, we learned as much as we could. There, there really isn't that much more to learn from manned 
moon missions. You know, we 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 still have a lot to learn, and we did yeah. bring back, you know, hundreds there's, of there's pounds nothing of there, guys. Space rock. <laughs> it's just dust. Actually, and now I have unless yeah, unless there was there something there. There is a conspiracy oh. that there was more than we were told. So that's a separate conspiracy. I saw that but... movie. Is it Apollo? Yeah. I love Transformers. Transformers. <laughs> oh. Dark side of the moon. It was yeah. It was a Megatron. Was there? The dark side of the moon. <laughs> All right. And and actually, to answer that question, uh, NASA does have a plan to go back. I mean, this started a, a few years ago. I think it was 2019. But uh, you can go to NASA.gov, and there's a page they have called uh, – the page title is Back to the Moon. And they have – they lay out the plan, uh, cool. what they want to do. They have a nice little promo video and stuff. But – yeah, but I mean, the plan is not only to go back, but also to put a a base on the moon. I mean, um, and then I would only imagine, based on watching Futurama, that they're also going to put a hotel, and you know, they have all sorts of yeah, they'll have resorts in, on the moon. They did it on Umbrella Academy. Why can't we? I was thinking, people keep asking, why haven't we gone back to the moon? But it's a rock. Like we we went, we're good. It's it's a rock, you guys. <laughs> it's a rock. It's a boring it's a rock. No. I mean, and one one thing to really keep in mind as well, we didn't just go to the moon and say we went to the moon, take our word for it. The entire it's no exaggeration to say the entire world was watching this moment. As many people have pointed out, we were in a space race with the Soviet Union. The Soviet Union was tracking our rockets. They were tracking our ships. If we hadn't gone anywhere near that moon, they would have been the first ones to call us out on that. They would have been like, nope, you didn't go there. Other countries were were watching closely. Fingers crossed. Please blow up. Please (laughs) blow up. And even since then, other countries have taken pictures of the countries with their own space programs. It's not just the United States. Japan has a space program. China has a space program. India has a space program. These other countries with their telescopes and their technologies have taken pictures of the moon currently, and they confirm that the equipment is still there. They have even taken pictures of the astronauts' footprints that are still on the moon. It it wasn't just the U.S. saying we did it, hooray for us. The entire world saw it. The entire world agrees that yeah we were there countries that were our enemies are saying yeah you you did it you did it fair and square we can't we can't deny it you know i feel this is this is easily the greatest achievement in the history of mankind humans walked on another celestial body that's amazing it's something that we should celebrate as a remarkable example of what can happen when people unite towards Hell a yeah. common goal. I feel this should not be something that divides us. This is something that we should definitely feel proud of as a species. We put people on the moon. That's awesome. I mean, and we're to the point that we're looking to other planets now. We want to put people on Mars. I'm sure yeah. someday it's going to happen. And I think the moon and that moon base were definitely that first step. Well, they if they do open up a a resort on the moon, um, would who who would be down for that? Oh my god! Let's go. Yes, in a heartbeat. 
Okay. I'm going to try and get it, get the seats reserved now because I'm pretty sure there's going to be a long line. The prices are going to go up. You know how they are <laughs> if you book last minute. Oh, uh, that's why I'm trying to book now. <laughs> if it's, ex- if it's yeah, as expensive as going to a... Disney, I might not go. <sighs> when we run out of gas. <laughs> oh, you oh, no. won't need gas. We're going to use will. <laughs> uh, a space elevator. <laughs> Human sacrifice to get the there. The tubes. <laughs> the Futurama tubes. Yes, tubes. <laughs> Listeners, do you have any uh, any conspiracy theories that you haven't seen debunked yet? Leave us a comment on on our Facebook page. Maybe we can start a conversation about that. What we can reflect on is that it's okay to ask questions. It's okay to be skeptical, but do not. How can I like say it politely? Like, do not plug your ears and go la 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 to the explanations. You know, if you have questions and you're skeptical about something and you want to know more, yeah, like totally, that's perfectly normal. That's encouraged. But when someone says, well, here's the explanation to that, don't just dismiss it and say, no, I don't believe that. That's not what skepticism means. You know, skepticism means I have questions, inform me. Skepticism doesn't mean I'm going to, I don't believe your your answers. Like that's that's. I think that could be a good takeaway for that. Well, listeners, that's our show. Thank you for joining us today. You can find the links to the stories mentioned in this episode in the podcast description. If you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe or follow on your podcast app, and you'll receive our latest episodes in your feed for free. Really cool how that works. You've just received the full scoop. We'll have more for you next week. Hey, we want to hear from you. Do you have a question or topic you want to hear on the show? Drop us a line at speakpipe.com forward slash full scoop, and it could get featured in an episode.